A warm welcome back to the Celtic Whiskey Pod with me, your host, Al Higgins. After a bit of a break, I'm back with the inside story on all your favourite whiskey-related topics, with news from distilleries, whiskey makers, and all the characters in the world of whiskey and spirits. What a year 2023 is already shaking out to be. We have already had more new whiskey releases than we know what to do with, and that is just the start. With more and more new distilleries coming along and a few more of the new breeds coming of age, so to speak, we will no doubt be trying lots of new drams this year. And speaking of drams, be sure to check out our sister website, dramsdelivered.com, where you can buy lots of rare whiskies, buy the 3CL sample and have them delivered direct to your front door. Go to dramsdelivered.com for more details or look us up on Instagram and Twitter to keep up with the new products and any special offers. Our main news right now is the biggest event on the whiskey calendar in 2023 and that is Whiskey Live Dublin. The dates for your diary are the 19th and 20th of May and the event will be bigger and better than ever with exhibitors from all over Ireland, Scotland, the USA and elsewhere. Go to whiskeylivedublin.com for more details and to buy tickets. We are happy to say that we have also added an extra session on the Friday which means we should all get the chance to come along try some amazing whiskies and rub shoulders with all the great whisky makers from Ireland and further afield. On to the episode and I'm happy to say that this week my guest is Oshin Mulcahy, head distiller and blender at Clonakilty Distillery. I'm ashamed to say that I've never visited the distillery, although I have passed by on numerous occasions. Um, I've heard so many good things from previous visitors that I absolutely had to find out a little bit more. Oshin joined Clonakilty Distillery after an interesting journey through various careers and he's been at the distillery after joining the team midway through 2022. The distillery currently makes single pot still whiskey with much of the grain coming from the Scully family's land and the nearby Galleyhead Peninsula. Having started distilling whiskey in 2019, it could be time to taste some of the distillery's own output. Will it be released this year? Listen on to find out. I'll be back at the end with more. For now, here's Oshin. You're listening to the Celtic Whiskey Pod, the home of unchill filtered conversation. A very warm welcome to Oshin Mulcahy from Clonakilty Distillery in West Cork. Uh, Oshin, thank you so much for joining me today. No problem. Thanks for having me. Um, what I like to do normally on podcast episodes is, is for uh, my guests to just actually talk a little bit about themselves and their own personal journey uh, through whiskey because everyone has has their own reasons for uh, getting into the whiskey industry and uh, whether it's in production or sales or whatever. So how how did you end up at Clonakilty? What were their steps uh, along the way that, that made you end up there? Oh God, um, it's a fairly, it's a fairly kind of um, a bit of a maze how I ended up here, to be honest with you. Um, I kind of, in many ways, kind of fell into it. And in other ways, sort of, it was kind of the realization of, of kind of something I've wanted to do for a long time, but mm. never had the opportunity or whatever. Um, I suppose it all goes back to, I'm actually an archaeologist by kind of training, I suppose you could say. Oh, wow. And did archaeology in college. Yeah, so it's quite different. Um, when I graduated um, college in 2014, I suppose, there wasn't much jobs out there for archaeologists. I, I think there probably mm. still isn't, to be honest no, with you. I would say no. But, um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And just after the, the crash uh, was still kind of the effects of that was still being felt. So I suppose um, I kind of 
a lot of my friends were over in Vancouver, so I decided to head over there to kill two years, I suppose, and and see what see what would happen. And um, um, so I spent two years there, and I suppose my first work experience outside of college was in was in kind of banking and and things like that. I don't know how I fell into banking, but that's <laughs> that's where I ended up. And uh, when I came back to Ireland, then of course just to pay the bills, you know, people for the first time in my life, people were actually you know that I could get a job easily <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, like life as an archaeologist you you're always struggling so I kind of um I took the first job I worked in the central bank for a brief period and Ulster Bank and some other places and uh I had I suppose at that crossroads people sometimes get in their lives where they just kind of go okay do I do this for the rest of my life or do I totally yeah. change and do something go back to go back to square one so I suppose I, I, I bit the bullet on that one for kind of, I suppose, in many ways, office work and stuff like that didn't suit me. It's kind of, it's comfortable, and but uh, I needed a challenge. I needed to do something that I was passionate about. So I uh, kind of quit the job. Um, long story short, kind of went, moved back to the Dingle where I'm from and, uh, and took, strangely enough, a kind of a, a very temporary job. Um, with Dingle Distillery, managed to I met someone uh, who, who who kind of um, mentioned that there was kind of a job going in in the bottling line at the time, mm-hmm. in the packaging, making our bottling gin, and I was like, okay, this will tide me over for the summer. That was 2018, and I remember that first morning walking into Dingle Distillery about five o'clock in the morning, and the stills were already up and running. The smell of the place, uh, even though I was from Dingle. Obviously, Dingle Distillery had opened up. Uh, what was it? Twenty, probably just soon after I went to, or soon before um, I went to uh, Canada. So it, it's the first time I'd ever actually stepped foot into the place, and instantly, I suppose, the smell, the the sight of the pot still, it's uh, I was kind of hooked from then on, and mm-hmm. that 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 kind of summer bottling job turned into a production job. Uh, turned into a career essentially, and um, kind of went from Dingle Distillery to I was uh, kind of it kickstarted a passion in brewing, in distilling. So I, I was kind of mm-hmm. doing both. I was brewing at home, I was distilling at work, um, and kind of you know doing some study on the side, IBD courses, whatever I could get my hands on, and um, just kind of it, it kind of snowballed from there, and uh, I kind of. Left Ingle had a brief period in um, in a in a brewery in Cork, and uh, just kind of figuring out whether I wanted to be a brewer or a distiller. I was kind of feeling out both career mm-hmm. options at the time, and kind of focused on on distilling, um, which was you know just for me just married the 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 two kind of things that I like both about kind of yeah uh, about distilling was the kind of scientific and creative aspect. I feel like it, it kind of it melds quite well those creative. Um, and I, in many ways, kind of the archaeology was similar in, in that there was a scientific element and a, and a somewhat creative mm. element to it. Um, yeah. um, so, so I kind of I enjoyed that, and you know, a couple more moves to um, other distilleries, slowly climbing the ladder. And um, when a job popped up as a head distiller for Clannacilty, I jumped at the opportunity. Great, yeah. And uh, when did you start at Clannacilty? God, it feels like. It only feels like three months ago, to be honest with you. But it was it was June twenty twenty two. So like I'm, I'm 
you know, we're not far off a year now at this stage and it's been all goals since since I joined, really. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, since the distillery opened, the, the world has kind of changed a, a good bit because I think we started making whiskey in 2019, didn't we? Or, or that was yeah, when we got our, yeah. Yeah, the stills stills were up and running, and the plant was fully commissioned by about May. So the first spirit was blowing in the casks in May uh, 2019. So we had three and a three and a half year old whiskey now at this stage. Yeah, and it all set for um, lots of visitors to come in, and, and lockdown happens, and uh, we're in the middle of a, a pandemic. Uh, but back uh, back full steam yeah. ahead now, I, I suppose. Um, talk us through the the, the distillery because um, I, I find the the sort of story behind it quite interesting with the the scully family and their their sort of story on on wanting to to create something that wasn't just about farming you know it was about bringing these traditions together um you're probably best talking about it more than i am because i you know i've only just read Mm. about it but um i think our listeners would find it quite interesting you know the the whole setup and how this distillery was was founded Yeah, well, I suppose, it, I suppose the idea, from what I've been told by Michael Scully, our founder, he, he kind of, pretty much him and his, his wife, Helen, and, um, you know, they kind of had this idea back in 2013-14 to kind of, I suppose, bring the work back home, I suppose, in many ways, and kind of, mm. and found something on their doorstep, which they could, you know, kind of, could be part of the community. And like you said, farming, like... um the farm's pretty much just, you know, 10 minute drive from the distillery, pretty much the, the kind of the, that in itself would be a full-time job for most people. But I suppose, um, Michael very much wanted, wanted something, you know, to be at the forefront of, of something kind of new and exciting that was coming up. And I think he kind of, you know, we, we all know that the whiskey, the whiskey, um, kind of trajectory is kind of going from strength to strength. And I think, the whole it was a kind of a natural um shall we say kind of progression to go from farming you, you know the raw you know the raw materials of, of, of that go into whiskey a lot of it is, is is grown locally um especially in cork and places that that have a barley kind of a tillage um mm. farming <clears throat> tradition now yeah. um michael's farm is predominantly a dairy farm but it, we do grow our own um barley now as well which which it just it's one of those luxuries that was a lot of the series just don't have that control mm. over the whole process and, and i think it was very important for them to kind of have to marry those two businesses together and um and also have that kind of for want of a overused term perhaps that a kind of a terroir associated with that area you know, of, of, yeah. of, of galley head and yeah, I've actually driven past uh, th- those fields on the way to to Galleyhead uh, Lighthouse, and uh, it, it is um, pretty amazing sort of farmland. And, and I was there in August when all the the barley was ripe and and ready to to get harvested. I think they might have actually been harvesting one of the fields while I was I was going by. But um, yeah, it was amazing to see see those fields um, and proudly displaying signs at the end of them that you know this is the barley for Clonakilty distillery yeah yeah and yeah it does kind of hark back you know you've been an archaeologist you know back to the way distilleries were originally founded which was like you know farmers just having surplus grain and wanting to do something with it to you know to stop it from spoiling so we're, we're going back mm-hmm. 
a few centuries back to the old traditions, which is nice. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's the something about whiskey as well that that plays to kind of a historian or someone who's used to kind of seeing the world, you know, from generation to generation rather than just the generation, mm. you know, that you're in. And I think that kind of ties back into the, the Scully family. You know, Michael has a definite, um, and you know, the importance of, of the of the legacy and 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 tradition. You know, and keeping that tradition alive. They're like I think there are nine generations that have been farming yeah. um, <laughs> near near Clannacilty. So, like, that's a kind of a very important part to it. You don't get into distilling, or at least you shouldn't, for a quick book. You know, it's a it's a long game, and it's, no it's something no. new. Yeah, you you kind of you develop over time, and you know you make decisions not for a year, you know, in advance. You make them decades in advance, you know, for for things that you may never even see. It's creating a legacy, really, isn't it? You know, passed down to future generations. Um, Yeah. So, um, talk us through the distillery because it's it's an amazing place to see. I've never actually visited. I'm ashamed to say, but I have passed it on on a few occasions and. It's on the main road there as you go through Conakilty, and it just stands out as soon as you see it. Um, yeah. And it's in in a building that was originally meant to be a bank, but uh, yeah, that sort of ties in with your history yeah. as well, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, fortunately, it is, strangely enough, <laughs> yeah, fortunately, it's a distillery. Um, but yeah, talk us through the setup there, and you know what the stills are like, and um, what sort of capacity you have. Yeah. So yeah, like you said, a bank. It, it's sort of until you said it there. Now I've actually put two two together. But yeah, it's strange <laughs> that I I worked for a company that that was initially designed to be in there. Um, and of course the um, the um, financial crisis hit, and I think it had a brief. That building had a brief period as a as a Gale school as well before the Scully took it over and and squeezed the distillery into it. Um, mm-hmm. And like you said, it's it's such a it's such a prominent location in the town. You can't miss it really. And, and the stills just, you know, are, are very, like, it's probably one of the most unique kind of locations for a distillery. I find yeah. uh, right in the middle of the town. Um, and, you know, it's, it has its challenges. Obviously when you're right in the middle of the town, you have, you and you're trying to get spent grain and, and oil and stuff out. Mm. But, um, you know, it's, it, it is a, a perfect location. And the, the distillery, like um, you know, when it was first up and running in 2019 or whatever, I think you know it came together quite quite quick, considering the um, just the, the technical challenges that they must have faced trying to squeeze the distillery into such um, such a tight kind of building. And it's yeah. a sort of you know if you ever do get the chance to go there, it's a sort of a vertical distillery in many ways because the distillers have to yeah. kind of be running up and down stairs constantly um and you know we have we have um uh, seven thousand liter wash still so our, essentially our each brew is seven thousand liters and uh our middle still and and uh intermediate still and spirit still are about four and a half thousand liters so mm. we kind of we produce at the moment our each year's production has kind of since like you said 2019 then COVID happened so we've We've been far from our max capacity um, for the last yeah. three, three, four years. So it's really only this year that I'm hoping to kind of push the distillery to its kind of limit um, and you know try to try to squeeze out the 
maybe hopefully 300,000 LAs this year, which would kind of represent its its full capacity in its current configuration. Like, and mm-hmm. um, uh, we could probably get more if we wanted to, but you know, there's certain things for us quality-wise that are just um, unnegotiable, and it seems that our you know our new make is is award-winning at this stage as of yeah. last week as well. So. Um, <laughs> One it, so one we, it again, we, yeah. We kind of don't want to change too much. Yeah, one it again, yeah, yeah. So we're we're um we're kind of it makes it a lot more um the pressure's on to maintain that kind of quality. So like our fermentation times are a little longer than most most distilleries um who would be kind of hoping to push through production as quick as possible and just create mm. create LAs as quick as possible. We we kind of we feel that's a vital step, or I feel definitely it's a vital step, but I don't want to change um. I think it has a massive impact on the, on the distillate that we're creating, and I yeah. think a lot of times fermentation is overlooked because because it's just seen as as soon as the yeast is done, you know, distillate is ready to go. But you know, there's a lot mm. that happens after the yeast is done that that kind of creates a totally different flavor profile, and and um, I think I um, it comes back to our brewing. Yeah, I think attitudes are maybe slightly changing amongst the industry about that, aren't they? Because like mm. certainly. 10 years ago or, or even slightly longer the whole drive was just about alcohol extraction and you know get get the best yeast and the best barleys in terms of extract and what you can get um in terms of you know bang for your buck essentially but now we're, we're all sort of thinking yeah. more about about flavor and um unique flavors so everyone's searching for for different ways of doing things different yeast strains and uh fermentation times yeah essentially as well yeah definitely and i think because of ireland and our you know compared to the scots our our kind of our laws are a lot less restrictive and you know we yeah i think our our main our main benefit is our ability to kind of to innovate and and kind of change things that we can our wood policies can can be quite you know essentially fair game so it's it's a Essentially, it's a very exciting time to be an Irish distiller at the moment. I think just definitely kind of, is, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, it talked about styles. Uh, is it still just single pot still you're making there, or are you branching out into other um, styles of whiskey or mash bills? I mm-hmm. suppose is a buzzword at the moment. You know, taking in different grains. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely. Like, I mean, we since the beginning we've only ever made pot stills, so that's all mm. we've that's all we've done. And at the moment, it's all we continue to do. We'll be predominantly a pot still distillery. I have, um, we have discussed the possibility of 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 single malt at some stage, but at the moment, our we're kind of we have our hands full with, like as you said, um, mash bills, different t- styles. At the moment, we've we've the plant is only capable of kind of producing a, a malted and unmalted mash bill essentially one or the other we don't have the facilities for other adjuncts like oats or rye or anything like that gotcha yeah um, as of as of this month but we've we've added the, the 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 new kind of um upgrades so that i'm really looking forward to actually trialing those those kind of different styles roasted malts you know like you said, yeast, a different yeast strain, and to see uh, if we can improve on on what we already are producing, which is you know um, pretty pretty decent to begin with. So yeah. it's kind of an exciting 
uh, exciting to try to to kind of I suppose you know you can there's a lot you can do in a distillery in fermentation times the way you run your stills um, of course your mash bills I think it all kind of comes together and then and, you know it's it's, a, it's just trying to find that balance um, and also make a you know business profitable at the same time which is always important <laughs> yeah um we talked briefly there about the the new mix spirit and it's it's the world whiskey awards there where it's won best new mix spirit um twice uh as of recently yeah, and, and you've won yeah. some other awards um uh, recently as well um what would you describe the the new mix as tasting like uh, does it have a really good sort of barley um backbone to it or is it fruit driven or is it spicy it's kind of remarkably fruit driven in my opinion yeah. so like it's from filling the casks um i get uh, like you get that you like especially depending on if you're filling say um uh, like a virgin oak or something like that you get this beautiful kind of waft of the um, of kind of what i think as far as fruits kind of red black currants kind of thing um it, and there's um that's really prominent on the nose um mm. which i think comes from the long fermentation time the, the addition of, of of esters that that are only kind of only produced with a with a longer fermentation time and uh and of course on the on the palate then this is a kind of um licorice style kind of like oh, wow. yeah. aftertaste and, and kind of so it has some real kind of depth and you know a lot of times from a pot still you're even a 60 percent barley you know pot still you're mm. expecting a lot of spice and a lot of grain or whatever um a lot of like hay like quality you, you just don't get it from our pot still it's incredibly fruit forward um and uh, i just think it's it's a it is interesting how how now that we're actually able to um, look back at, at our three-year-old whiskey and actually taste mm. it and see how things are progressing, yeah. there was a lot of experimentation in the early days and how and on the mash bills, so like a lot was messed around with, you know, 60-40, 40-60, 50-50, whatever. Mm. And it's nice to finally kind of now now realize how these are aging and the effects that the maturation period actually has in the new make is uh, is is really interesting. So like we're, I think we've kind of identified the mash bill at the moment, which is, funnily enough, we've we've won the World Whiskey Awards now, um, best new make with two different mash bills. So <laughs> it's kind of it's hard to pick one over the other. But yeah. um, uh, you know, I think that there's definitely um, it's definitely a new make. You know, comparing it to other World Whiskey uh, Award winners, um, I think it's it's definitely uh, up there. And I'm just hoping, well, I'm confident that the whiskey will will um will be kind of a carried on through the new make yeah i mean that's the impression i got from from what you were saying there that you're obviously happy with the way it is maturing and um it, it's funny because I, I have tasted a lot of uh almost mature irish whiskey from around the country from all the you know some of the new breed of of whiskey distilleries and there's a lot of variability there you know it's not it's not all plain sailing um i think that's maybe the kindest way i can put it um 
but you might find that some distilleries aren't really hitting a sweet spot until a good few years down the line but you you really need to be um getting it right right from the get-go don't you you have to yeah i i don't know what your time frame is for maybe you could give me a hint on uh when your first release might be but um Mm -hmm. you have to get it right first time don't you yeah i mean definitely and i think like it's from I suppose when I first kind of joined Clannacilty, that one of the and tasted the new maker on, on my first day, essentially, or before I joined, um, yeah, it's it's kind of one of the reasons why, you know, as a distiller, you kind of, you know, you can be the best distiller in the world, but it's the equipment you're dealing with, it's the it's the sort of the ethos behind it as well, the kind of everything you want to create the best spirits that you that you can, hmm. and um, I suppose looking at and tasting them the almost at the time i kind of joined it was not quite or just turned uh three-year-old so i tasted that and i mean you know we're not we, we're not um living in you know la la land we know that the you know the three-year-old is not in most cases three-year-old pot still is not ready for it's not ready it's not as good as it could be mm. and um i was told from day one that that you know my kind of my interpretation or my 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 feedback on that would would be you know if it's not ready it's not ready we hold it back we we, we wait until it is ready and yeah, so we've we've taken our we've taken our three three and a half year old uh, pot still there in the last few weeks and and kind of split it it's you know it's been predominantly in in ex bourbon um at the moment and the, the plan was always to kind of two years, potentially two years out from 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 release, we'd uh, we'd we'd recast it in some mm. interesting finishes. And I don't know if you could you know if you could describe a two year uh, finish as a finish and not just a, another maturation. So, mm. like for us, we're not we're not. Uh, I wouldn't even consider this. I wouldn't even consider it anywhere near ready um, for at least another year, year and a half, and possibly even two years. So we, we'll assess as we as we go, but I mean, if any, if the three-year-old has anything to go by, it might indeed as as, as much as we think. But um, yeah. in in our heads from day one, it was always a five-year-old. Uh, you know, you know, pot still, I think, really kind of begins to show its true kind of colors around the five-year mark, and yeah. um, so that's always been in our in, in our head. So. It's very commendable you know, to hear, you know, and sort of uh, reassuring to hear that that um, you're not in a massive hurry, and you're not just going to put it out there. Um, uh, and it'll be interesting to see see what casks are are in the final mix. Um, y- y- so talking about casks and and what you're using to mature, you, you've obviously um, before you were there, you, there were some releases in uh, beer casks, Bordeaux wine casks, and this is the the sourced whiskey, essentially, um, under mm-hmm. the Kilty name. Um, what cask are you working with, like like right now, in terms of what you're bringing in and uh, maturing whiskey? And I suppose that you you've got two streams essentially. You've got your new make spirit, uh, or even three streams. You you sort of talked about the the three year old and three and a half year old spirit, new make spirit, and then the actual liquid. That you are currently bottling. Yes, you know, I think my predecessor, 
like probably didn't have um it's a lot of it's a lot easier sometimes when you're just filling your filling cast in the first three years because you, you know you're always thinking okay well i'll i'll, I'll get around to recasting them in three years time or whatever mm. and um now i think it's it's really starting to heat up um as far as busy like you said the three streams going at, at the time we're 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 tasking recasting blending our sort um liquids and our um and then trying to trying to move essentially what our our mature our two three year olds into into cast ready for release in twenty twenty four mm. five six and, and onwards, and then of course um, you know and filling our new make and trying to figure out what our new make uh, policy is is going to be, and I think that's that's my main kind of focus of my energy is most much of my energies at the moment is. Um, like uh, thankfully we are we're making we're producing good new make we're producing good and um, we're sourcing good good liquid and so really wood and and sort of planning the liquid is, is, is really the key the good thing about sourcing as kind of a broad array of tasks as we have up until this point is i have a lot of you know we can see what works what doesn't work for our new make and mm. um, i kind of want to kind of you know, start to, to nail down a, a long-term wood policy for new make where we fill a certain percentage of what we'll need for the future rather than uh, rely on like, sort of like uh, yeah. a bourbon and then a finish kind of schedule. And um, so kind of a parallel maturation seems for me, um, a blender's, you know, a, a far more interesting for from a blending perspective because you're actually dealing with a liquid that's been in a cherry cask or a rum cask since day one, you know, and you have those a maturity of flavors which you don't get. Yeah. From a one year, six six month finish, you know, you just don't you don't get them. And again, for us, is um can be a challenge sometimes when dealing with source whiskey to to plan enough ahead to actually make sure that your finish is, you know has had enough time to kind of pick up the flavors if you want and yeah again, a bit like what you're saying with the new make balance you have to have patience as well <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and it, you know like some sometimes the sales teams and stuff like that they're pushing you for things because you know thankfully business is good and people want your liquid but you're you know you're kind of at, at the end of the day the business doesn't you know what we put out is at the meet the kind of quality standards and like if something isn't in the cast long enough, it, it, it just can't be sold, so it has to remain as it is. Um, but you know, there's some really interesting casts that we have in our warehouse at the moment, and I've, I've just we've just received a couple of containers from from Spain, interesting sherry mm. casks of all different types, um, some rum from Martinique, um, which I'm really happy with, and, and I've Excellent. done some, so some rum agricole casks, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, beautiful cast, and they're really, they really like rum. Is one of those spirits, um, cask wise, that you know, I suppose all casks are similar, but they just they vary so massively. Um, I've I've always described rum rum making as the wild west of distilling because uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like anything goes, yeah. and they, they get away with a lot more, um, a lot more yeah. things than whiskey yeah. distillers do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like the, just, I've had rum casts in the past where, you know, you could, you could leave them in for 10 years. You'd never get anything. You'd never get rum off them, you know, or, or very yeah. little. So, um, you know, when you find, uh, you know, again, trying to identify the casks that, that are really going to work wonders in the future. And, 
and um, try to get a steady supply of those um, mm. and obviously reduce our kind of our American bourbon dependency uh, so that we don't have issues like we had the last couple of years trying to get American bourbon barrels and you know, there's a, there's a lot of just logistical issues and shortages and stuff like that. And Sorry, in terms of sourcing, are you mostly working direct or are you using brokers as, as well as working direct? Or how, how does that work uh, in, in terms of finding these casks? Because everyone's out there trying to find them. Mm-hmm. I think uh, a bit of both, to be honest with you. I think for the, obviously with our source liquid, we're, we're looking for smaller um you know smaller quantities and, and more rare kind of selling points um but of course there's, there's just the logistical issue of you know shipping one or two casts you know you usually have yeah. to you know include them as part of a larger a larger truckload or you know thankfully you can usually piggyback on some other just local distilleries kind of uh orders you know and throw one or two casks on onto the truck and whatever right, else yeah. But it's a mixture of both. I mean, thankfully we've had um, we've had local dist- um, cooperages open up um, in Tucky Bourbon Barrel and in, in mm. there and Darnua up in Oxford, and like we work with both. And you know, it's great to have those 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 skills um, and those kind of connections. And yeah. I suppose through them, then you 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 make further connections and you 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 realize who who's reliable, who's not, and you know, and yeah. who's who's kind of um, and who can actually supply meet your demands and stuff like that. I think we have, um, I think I'd love to do in the future kind of direct as possible. You know, the more direct um, kind of, it's amazing. Like with, like you said, with the rum, one of the biggest um, issues and such as rum, it's, you know, wine, X wine or whatever is you don't have any control over the quality of the liquid that went into them. So you, you know, you can, you can, it's very hard to plan um, and kind of commit to a container load uh, to know if you're if it's not um, up to your standards. So actually having connections with the producers themselves um, can ensure the quality over time. And and I think we're yeah. just starting to kind of to make those connections now. Hmm. Uh, it is a tricky world. Um, we bring in a few casks ourselves for for our cast sales sort of program like Celtic whiskey and uh yeah we've had to reject some and it's it's depressing when you see see them but they're just getting sent off you know and it's like no that's no good um but yeah, yeah I can imagine when you're dealing with larger numbers it's 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 a lot more tricky you know you have to really have reliable sources and uh you know obviously yeah. some some casks can be repaired and uh and fixed but that's another pain to deal with as well yeah and it's a lot, a lot of the time like we don't have a whole lot of uh, space in the yard like you know to for reject casts or anything like that so like thankfully we have um sean he's our you know resident cooper in many ways he's not a qualified cooper but he's he's uh, pretty much as good as one you can fix pretty much any cast that, that comes our way and um mm. he's he's working at capacity at the moment just trying to you know, so we pressure test and and fix leaks on every cask we get. Um, we just find that's a it's a you know it's a good business decision because you know angel share is bad enough. You you don't want to lose half your liquid to, to leaks as well. So it's worth. That's the worst case worked, scenario, um, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, Absolutely yeah, worst. and it's I mean even with even with Sean, um, uh, you know, doing a great job. It's it's inevitable. You know, the woods will change, the temperatures change. 
when you move the casks to get at other casks, you you, you kind of you upset the, the the grain, shall we say, mm. and, and the staves and you know leaks happen, and and just having the in in house skills to be able to fix them is very important. And, what um, happens with um, like, yeah? You know, sorry, what happens with customs when when something like that happens? Are you able to just say to customs, look, this cask has sprung a leak and it's all gone? They have to investigate themselves. <laughs> well, I think the the thing, and I could be wrong, and this is one of those uh, it's one of those kind of sides of the business which I kind of leave to the business, <laughs> leave to the business side of things. The accountants do. I mean, it, ultimately, yeah. yeah, ultimately, the the liquid in the cask is is essentially we're paying a a, a bond or a rent on on that on that liquid uh, that went into the cask and. I suppose it's guaranteed. Um, so we we are the ones who co- who cover the cost. It's considered angel share if, if the whole if the whole cat leaks that mm. that's lost, you know. So um, it's lost that we kind of have to have to you know cover ourselves. So um, we're obviously paying a, a kind of a bond for a certain number of casts, a certain number of a certain amount of liquid. So um, and that's guaranteed. So I kind of, you know, it's 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 costly to have liquid there that we can't recoup the cost of essentially. So minimizing those those leaks are vital. I don't know how much, you know, uh, you know, distillery like IDL might lose just in angel share alone is is mind boggling. Oh god, know? it's massive, isn't it? And they're filling hundreds of casks a day. So yeah, it's, it's insane, mm-hmm. huge amounts. Yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah, if you ever go um, around the distilleries at Middleton, though, like some of the the housing around there has that fungus growing on the sides of the houses. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is a potential uh, legal worry for, for Irish distillers, I think, because there's actually alcohol yeah. floating around in the air all around the distillery. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. the Baldonino, uh, yeah, we used, to, um, we used to have it all over the building in Dingle as well. It would literally grow. You know, it'd grow on you if you if you let it. Like you know, it, it was everywhere. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's um, it, it kind of you know, it's not exactly um, you know, it's not exactly. I I, I hear it's harmless anyway. But <laughs> mm. um, I I think I saw that you're studying. You're in your final year for the IBD diploma. Is that right? How, it is. How, yeah, last last module. How does that work with uh, working and studying? Is it uh, pretty hard? schedule to to get to grips with uh it is and it isn't i suppose i started that journey i suppose at a, at a different time in my career and you know it's been a for me it's it's just a sort of um you know it's it, it's been a learning I've, I've learned far more on the job you know but I, yeah. I, I kind of started the, the diploma you know in many ways i've kind of jumped ahead of myself as far as and in you know in that case it's actually helped me to, to kind of put to practice what i've what i've learned some of the mm. some of the um like i would i don't have a chemical engineering background i don't have a you know technical background in many ways so it's it is it helps to kind of to expand my knowledge on that side of things because you know the whiskey is great the, the ability to talk about it the blending the you know a lot of times it's a, it's a kind of a there's a, a, a magic or, or a, a, a kind of a mystery behind the way whiskey is made and everything, mm. and certainly the way it's marketed. Um, but for me, I'm just as passionate about the, the nuts and bolts, literally, on, on the 
Oh, you have the, to be, yeah. Yeah. You, yeah, you do. And I think like there's a lot of distillers maybe who might prefer the, you know, the, shall we say, the marketing side of the whiskey. Um, while, you know, there's, there's people there, real geniuses who, who are working behind the scenes in distilleries all yeah. over the country who probably, who never get there, they are never on podcasts or never. And in Scotland yeah. as well. Yeah. Plenty of distilleries in Scotland yeah, who, have a, who have a mouthpiece, uh, but someone else behind the scenes is doing all the real work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah, and uh, for me, it's always been very important to to have the technical knowledge. Um, you know, I mean, hopefully one day uh, I'll be lucky enough to 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 be considered or I don't know, a master of my craft. And I think well, that was my that, next question. Like, before. would you do the masters after the diploma? I'll give it a few years. Um, do you know what? The way I'm thinking now, I'd say, God, I'll give it a few years. But you know, if if all goes to plan and and the diploma's in the bag, I think hmm. it's, it's hard not to. I always found myself, and I think it's a good rule in general in my career. I suppose I've been lucky enough to to progress quite fast and kind of move in the directions I want to go, and that's always because, in my opinion, I put myself in a constant learning place um you know a lot of times you get to a certain level you're like okay i'm happy here for a while i'll stick i'll stick it out i'm i'm kind of i'm the um you know you're comfortable running a distillery or or operating a piece of equipment or whatever Mm. but it's it's always important to keep yourself keep yourself pushing yourself forward and and kind of challenging yourself and you know the, the masters is definitely daunting but um i think there's very, there's very few things, um, qualifications I think in this country, or, or in the industry, that could truly kind of qualify you as a master distiller. Um, mm. You know, a lot of people would, might go to Harriet Watt and get a, a year's master there, and then you know it's, you know, the IBD master's course is, you know, kind of, it is a kind of um, an in, you know. Um, a kind of an apprenticeship in many ways it, it kind of just justifies your yeah. that title you know in many ways yeah and uh it's not the be all and end all either because you never stop learning there's always uh knowledge to be gained no. from from other people uh yeah <laughs> hmm. we'll finish up in a minute but um i just want to talk about the visitor center because it's it's another award-winning factor of the distillery um mm-hmm. Uh, what can customers expect or tourists expect when they visit Clonakilty? Well, like that, I think one of our greatest, I mean, like you can make the best stuff in the background, but like, you know, the marketing and the sales and the, and the visitor experience is one of the main kind of drivers of the business. And like, as you, as you mentioned, you and you and Pierce, like he's, he's award-winning now at this stage and um, mm. he's, he's got the gift you know, of the guy. He's kind he? of a cat. <laughs> he does and and i think like we're very kind of i've often said it you know it's, he's he's what it kind of attracts you to to want to go look at clan Kilty, and it's the personalities it's the people you know mm. and he's he's like you know his his persona is fairly genuine you know i, I you know there's a lot of people too who um who kind of put on a face for the for the cameras and for whatever else and then when they're off they they're a totally different person you know ewan is is just kind of like that so um very passionate about about whiskey and um mm. heavily involved in the in the kind of industry and i think you need 
you need to have those people on your team you know um you know it's, it's vital importance you you can't really pay for that you know you can't you can't you can't pay someone to be an expert or to be yeah. um interested in the topic they have to be interested in the topic and um you know, I assume it's, it's to have a visitor experience manager I assume he was working in Scottish distilleries before he came to Clonakilty. Would that be correct? To be honest with you, my my limited knowledge of his back background, I, I believe he's he's you know had kind of worked in um, kind of brand on the brand side of things briefly with Powers yeah. and stuff like that. But I, I think, as far as I'm aware, his 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 um his distillery experience is in Ireland only. So all oh, right. Cool. Um, yeah, but, no, I could be doing him a terrible injustice there, <laughs> wrong, but uh, I'll have to get him on the podcast. Sure, he'll correct talk, me. Talk to him about it. Um, you do, definitely. But do. I, yeah. I am definitely going to come and visit Clonakilty. I am in West Cork uh, at some point this year, so I'm definitely going to uh, pop in. And I'm very fascinated by the, the setup and, uh, yeah, to see what's going on there. And it's it's great to hear that. You're not in a hurry to to release your liquid. It's going to be um, something we'll have to wait for another year and a half, two years, or or less. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, my my guess is two years. I, I kind of like if we recast it recently, then I'm gonna I'm gonna say two years. Um, I probably won't even assess it until at least a year, year and a half. Um, yeah. I think I think the longer we can wait. I think the better, um, the better it'll be. So I'm kind of I, my my guess is at least two years. Great. And the the new make is that uh, commercially available? Do you sell sell it at a distillery or um, distribute it, or is it just? Um... We we don't actually, and it's it's one of those things. I think you know we've been talking about and kind of thinking, you know, potentially you know. The, a market for market for that um it's certainly good enough to to be branded as as any poutine out there and, mm. um it's 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 a very um it's a very decent kind of drink on its own and you know as new make i think the, the great thing about this is usually before new make like you said wasn't really there wasn't a lot of emphasis on on producing good new make because you know it was assumed that 90 percent of 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 whiskey is the cask essentially mm. um i think we un we understand now that like as big as maturation plays a role you know if you put shit in you'll get shit out kind of a thing you know so yeah. um having really good having really good um quality new make if you can drink it on its own <laughs> at, at, at zero years old then you know you're you've got a good starting point yeah i think i mean that's from from my point of view that's another thing that's changed a lot in whiskey and it's thanks to people like dave mulligan at 1661 where where people are more prepared to drink pachine or new make spirit or whatever you want to call it and uh either drink it straight so you can get an idea of what the distillery is doing and how their their actual whiskey will eventually taste like or you know use it in cocktails and uh, all kinds of other things. Mm -hmm. So, I think I think you would have a, a market for it. Certainly, yeah, yeah. I think it's definitely something I'll bring up with the with the the bosses upstairs. Yeah. Since it's award winning <laughs> as well, you know that's your selling point. 
absolutely i mean yeah and let's hope i can you know hopefully under my uh my tenure we can make it three for three we'll see yeah yeah we go yeah um Oshin, it's <laughs> been a pleasure talking to you and I, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule you know you, you've clocked off from work so um thanks for for talking to mm-hmm. me today i'll no doubt uh bump into you at whiskey live or some other whiskey related event uh yeah. is Connor Kelty going to whiskey live I, I assume they are yeah definitely I'd say so I, I might be there personally uh this year I don't think but uh I'll definitely probably at one of them anyway for sure I think for Ovine or, or there's some there's some yeah. other um events for sure and I'm sure there'll be a bottle of new make spirit under the counter if anyone wants to ask about it <laughs> Oh, so, for sure. It might um, be under the counter. <laughs> yeah. Alshin, thank you so much. And I'll, I'll talk to you soon, no doubt. Cheers. All right, Al. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks a lot. You're listening to the Celtic Whiskey Pod, the home of unchill filtered conversation. Great to hear that Clonic Kilty aren't in much of a hurry when it comes to their whiskey. Like I've said on many occasions, you have to get your first release right and only bottle it when the liquid is ready and at a suitable maturity. I'm looking forward to trying it whenever it happens, and I'll also be seeking a taste of their new mixed spirit. Thanks again to Oshin Malkahi and Clonakilty Distillery. The awards we talked about in the episode are in reference to the World Whiskey Awards, where the distillery has won Best New Make Spirit on two occasions, and they've also seen Ewan Patterson win Best Visitor Experience Manager. We didn't talk about them in the podcast, but they have also won several awards for their minky gin and vodkas. All that remains to be said is thank you to you for listening. Feel free to share this episode or any other Celtic Whiskey pod conversation that you enjoyed on your social media or any other channels. I will, of course, be back with more soon. Until then, slot check.